before we hear God's word read and proclaimed. Let us pray. O Lord, by your Spirit, illumine our hearts and minds for the reading and hearing of your word. And may we hear it with joy, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture lesson is from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter, verses 2 through 8. Listen now for God's word to us. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One Sunday night, I was departing Richmond on a Delta Airlines flight. I remember that I was running late as I stepped onto the airplane. It was rainy and cold, typical for late winter and early spring in this part of the world. As I boarded that night, I was greeted by a friendly pilot who welcomed each passenger personally. Flying is often devoid of true and present interaction, so a personal welcome aboard from the flight deck was a pleasant surprise. I took my seat close to the front of the aircraft, and as I stuffed my rollerboard into the overhead compartment, I heard a commotion a few rows behind. Not wanting to be a, a voyeur of someone else's distress, I quickly sat down, but listened as a woman and her teenage daughter were conversing with a flight attendant, not about someone sitting in their assigned seat or a carry-on that was too large for the overhead compartment, rather about a case of acute flight anxiety. It was the daughter Jennifer's first ever flight. After the flight attendant seemed to calm Jennifer down, she rushed past me and, and whispered something into the captain's ear. I assumed it was a heads up in case the situation were to escalate. After everyone had taken their seats, the cross check and all call completed, we pushed back from the gate to press on to Atlanta. Now, here at the Richmond Airport, there are two runways the long, almost two-mile runway, and the short, one-mile crosswind runway. Our airplane for that evening's flight typically uses the longer runway due to its size and weight, but as it happened, it was closed for maintenance. So we were required to utilize the short runway. In the rain, with a full aircraft and a full cargo hold underneath, as we taxied out to the runway, the friendly pilot began to speak over the PA system. Hey there, folks, this is your captain, he began. So, here's the deal. The long runway is closed, and we're going to have to use the crosswind runway. This aircraft is not really built for run one-mile runways. It can work, but it takes some skill. 
It really shouldn't work with the full aircraft like we have tonight. It really, really shouldn't work in the rain, but after talking it over with my excellent first officer and the wonderful flight operations folks down in Atlanta, we think we can do it. Now, here's what's gonna happen. You're going to hear the engine spool up as fast as they'll go before we release the brakes. And you may see some dirt fly past your windows because we're gonna place the aircraft as far back on the runway as we can. And you're gonna to need to make sure your seat belts are tied around your waist and don't be surprised if the aircraft begins to shake. Now, at this point, we are all a little freaked out. I heard Jennifer, the first time flyer behind me, begin to well up with tears. Then, the captain said, and Jennifer, I know this is the, not the best way to begin your first ever flight, but don't you worry. We're gonna take good care of you. Jennifer, are you ready? This is going to be fun. Jennifer, are you ready? This question rattled around the recesses of my mind as the shaky aircraft barreled down the runway and made it safely into the air. Each one of us in our own way trusted that friendly pilot to get us up in the air and on our way to Atlanta. We really did not have a choice. The boarding door was already closed when we found out about our predicament, but we trusted nonetheless. All of us on that flight put our ultimate trust in that no matter what it took, we were gonna make it to Atlanta. The Transfiguration is not a story we can ever fully understand. It is a story we can merely appreciate, a story where we learn the true nature of Jesus's divinity. Jesus heads up on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, the closest disciples to Jesus throughout Mark's gospel. And while they were there, Jesus transforms into amazing white clothes and Elijah and Moses appear. This is otherworldly stuff. Peter, James, and John did not know what to do. They offered to make places to stay for these three exemplars of the Jewish faith, but mostly they were terrified. The presence of these two ancestors, Elijah and Moses, tell us about the nature of God's becoming flesh in the person of Jesus. Elijah, the crafty prophet who brought about good news for the Israelites who were under the rule of King Ahab many centuries before Jesus, stood there with Moses, who led the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt. Elijah and Moses brought about liberation for Jewish people. And this shows the disciples in no uncertain terms who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing in his ministry. Their presence, Elijah and Moses, on that mountaintop with Jesus, told the disciples and tells us that Jesus is part of that great lineage. Jesus brings about liberation too. Jesus standing with Elijah and Moses gives us a visible sign that as the continuing ministry of Christ in the world, liberation is what we are called to do as well. However, the work of liberation is a gift given to the church, and it is our role to play in the communal effort to right wrongs committed against our fellow humans, or as the American theologian James Cone writes, the experience of liberation becomes a constituent of the community's being. 
It is the power of God's Spirit invading the lives of the people. Pursuing liberation is one of the church's core callings. Now, I'll be honest, liberation is a cosmic, seemingly implausible concept that wouldn't be the easiest thing to explain to someone who asks you about your church community in the grocery store checkout line. It is easier to say that our church loves everybody no matter who they are, tries to help out the community, and works for a world where all people have a fair shake. And let me tell you, I am so proud to be part of a church that works every day to lead our community into a more just and equitable place. Yet, the question remains, how do we talk about liberation? It begins with us. It begins with our own stories of how, through the gift of life and life together, we have experienced liberation together and created space for someone else to experience liberation. For liberation is a practice, not simply a theological doctrine or a big audacious goal that could be measured with a SWOT analysis or through quantitative metrics. Silas House is an American writer who grew up in rural Appalachia. In his recent autobiographical essay, A Crowded Table, House, a gay man, writes of his childhood as he grew up in a family and community that did not accept members of the LGBTQ community and even committed acts of violence against those who were not considered manly. He writes, By the time I was 10, my father, uncles, cousins, and classmates regularly called me a sissy. Even my phys ed teacher, a miserable, track-suited woman called me this height of all insults in front of the entire class. What could be worse than for a boy to act like a girl? The first person to release me from all this was my aunt, Sis. She was also a grandmother, a second mother, a protector who spoiled me. She let me cry when I needed to. Sis and I would sometimes sing and dance to records in the kitchen. One time I noticed there were tears in her eyes as we danced. She turned away so I couldn't see. Perhaps she had already figured out that someday I might face violence for simply being who I am. For House, his aunt Sis created space so that he could find liberation. She loved him not because of who he should be or could be or because of whom or what he was supposed to embody, but because Silas House is a person, he is human. And because he is human, he deserves the gift of showing forth to the world all that God created him to be. He deserves liberation just like you and me, that person who lives on the street and every person around the globe we will never meet. Liberation occurs in community, in spaces where we are given the agency and dignity to be exactly whom we are created to be, just as we are. This is what the church can look like. This is that task ahead of us as we walk toward Holy Week and see with new eyes the empty tomb. Church, who has been or who is an Aunt Sis 
for you. Who has participated in God's work of liberation and brought it about in visible ways within your families, your circles of influence, and through the life and ministry of the church? This, this is why the transfiguration is read in worship the week prior to Lent. Lent is a time set apart to consider how Jesus' life and ministry matters to our life and work right now and to remember all those people in your great cloud of witnesses. We do this through intentional practices that prepare us for Holy Week and the celebration of Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday. The question we might ask ourselves through this year's Lent as we walk together through the Gospel of Mark is, to quote that friendly pilot, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to allow God to break into our hearts as we study, as we lament, as we pray, and as we worship? Are you ready to point to a God who became flesh in the line of the liberators of the Hebrew Scriptures? Are you ready to take a look into yourself to see how you might participate in God's work of liberation? Are you ready to allow someone to create space for you to experience liberation? Are you ready to give up control, to sit on a plane after the boarding door is closed and the only option is the short runway in the rain and trust a friendly pilot to get you safely to your destination? You might not be ready, and that is okay. But it is my prayer that you might be willing Just get on the plane. Be the friendly pilot for another person. And may we, by God's grace, be like Aunt Sis and walk alongside someone as they experience the liberation we all know in Jesus Christ. Amen.